Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm excited to share with you the third in our values series, uh, What Disciples Do. Today I have a message entitled, Daring to Do Like the Disciples, number three, an invitation to intimacy. An invitation to intimacy. Will you bow your heads and pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these moments ahead. We pray that you would reveal more and more of yourself to us so that we would understand your good and perfect will for us. God, we receive uh, this calling of intimacy, intimacy with you. And God, we uh, are curious about what you are um, inviting us into with each other. How, do you, how have you made us to be in relationship with you and each other, God? Help us understand that even a little bit more today. Truly, God, we've been invited to intimacy. Help reveal uh, those words to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Daring to do like disciples number three. An invitation to intimacy. This summer, uh, we take our annual trip. We took our annual trip to Deer Lake in eastern Washington. And a good friend of mine has a place out there. And we spend a week on a lake. And it's really glorious. It's eastern Washington weather and time with the family. It's incredible. This summer, it intersected with the meteor showers that were happening in August in our area, in our region. And uh, midway through the trip, uh, we said, let's stay up late tonight and, and go watch the meteor shower. We, we put on an outdoor movie and cozied in under blankets. And uh, late in the night, once it was pitch, pitch black, we went out, um, laid out on a dock and laid out under the sky. And truly, it was incredible. I think, I think there was like 15 meteors we saw in about 45 minutes' time. And after we were out there for a while, just marveling in the, in the splendor of the galaxy, my little girl was kind of cuddled in the middle of all of us, and she said, you know, guys, this is really great, but I'll admit, if you weren't all here, I'd be really scared. And it struck me this week, as I was studying this text, that for many of us in our community, there is a lot of fear. And for many of us in our community, there is some questions that remain about, do I really belong to other people? Do I exist under the galaxy of heaven, but in a group of people that I can grow with? So today, I'm going to be looking at this value of grow with this commandment that Jesus has about collective fruitfulness. That no trees uh, exist with just a single branch. No vines exist with just one clump of grapes. No apple tree with just one apple. Unless it is a seriously diseased organism. But healthy roots produce healthy branches, which in turn produce healthy fruit. Plural. The Christian life is not one we go alone. We're never called to go alone. We are invited to intimacy together. We're invited to grow together. And so today as we conclude our value series on this value of grow, um, this is the essence of Bethany, grow. We're talking about our, 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 our small group ministry, our belonging to some group of people who knows me intimately. What we've been doing all series is we've been pairing the values of Bethany along with spiritual practices, that we do some things in the communal life, but we also practice spiritual practices in order to grow more intimate with Jesus in our individual life. So we launch with the, the, the value of gather, that our, our collective gatherings matter, even in the midst of COVID. And we pair that with, uh, with the idea of solitude, that we also need to get away at times and just be alone with the Lord. Uh, last week I talked about go, that we're called to be on mission, even in the mission of our actual life right now. We don't have to cross the world. We can literally just live each day with intention and purpose and pair that with a spiritual practice of rest, 
And tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening, uh, I'm inviting you to learn more about this value of grow and pairing it with a very simple practice of prayer. That when we pray alone to the Lord, it keeps us in the, the promises of God. And so we're going to look at these, you know, kind of this simple outline today that nothing grows alone, that good things grow slow, and ultimately that we survive together. Because Jesus has says that in you, if you remain in me together and bear much fruit, you will survive. No, you will thrive. The great Christian ethicist Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, the movement upward toward God cannot be separated from the movement toward our neighbor. Both belong together. Standing under God's rule means living in community with God and with the church. We grow together. And so let us remember that to experience the fullness of life in Christ, you'll need other believers because nothing good grows alone. You are invited to intimacy. Let me begin with this first point, nothing grows alone. In the great ecology of fruitfulness, growth can't be put into solitary confinement. Isolation breeds death, not growth. And Jesus makes this staggering connection between growth and Christ in the remainder of John 15. Raul read very passionately verses 1 through 8. But if you pick up in verse 12 through 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. He says, you don't have to earn it. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so when you reread that top section in John 15 through this lens, you reveal the the collective nature of fruitfulness. Jesus was teaching to a crowd. Indeed, even when when he's using those words that we translate as, you know, you do this, you do this, it was actually the second person plural. He was saying, you all do this. You all should grow. You all should remain in the true vine. It was this message that growth will happen together. And that we abide in intimacy with others. And that's how, we, that's how we stay connected to Jesus. Ultimately is in individual pursuits and belonging to a group of people who know us. Abiding means simply this. That we're actively accessing the power of Jesus' life within us and with others around us. We can't go alone. But if we're honest, it's easier to love the idea of Christian community than to love people themselves, right? Bonhoeffer acknowledges such. He says this, incredible. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law to judge one another and God accordingly. It is not we who build. Christ builds the church. It is not we who build. Christ builds the church. Yeah, but Scott, we're in, we're in quarantine. Like intimacy with others is impossible. But Bonhoeffer wrote said quote during the buildup to World War II. It was literally a message about intimacy in wartime. He continues, it may be that times by which human standards are the times of collapse are for Jesus the great times of construction. 
It may be that the times from which our human point are great times for the church are times when it's pulled down. It's a great comfort which Jesus gives to his church. You confess, preach, and bear witness to me, and I alone will build where it pleases me. Do not meddle with what is not at your providence. Do what is given to you and do it well, and you will have done enough. Live together in the forgiveness of your sins. Forgive each other every day from the bottom of your hearts. We can't get away from it. Nothing grows alone. We're called to live together, to forgive each other, intimacy with each other. It's absolutely essential that we remain in relationship, not with perfect Christians out there that will believe all the same things as me, but the broken Christians that you're already in the church with. There is no perfect church. It's just a matter of being present to each other. And this is with a reminder that nothing grows alone because we like, oh yeah, we, we need each other. I, I will confess to you that this was a message as Raul and I talked today that I was laboring under but so excited to preach because it's never been more difficult to be a church. We're gonna celebrate on October 11, 10 years together. It's never felt more difficult because of the disunity amongst us. To illustrate this, just this week, my son was really sick. He's okay now, but it was a scary couple days. He was in children's hospital, and as one day went into the next, and doctors couldn't get a hold of it, my fear was escalating. My anxiety was escalating. I was like that picture that Anna showed, man, and things were just like exploding. I was trying to hold it all together, but on the inside, I felt like I was coming undone, and I was keeping it mostly to myself. I got up early after my son and Heather were at the hospital for a couple of days. I got up early and I went for a walk to pray and be reminded of God's presence and to ask God's favor. And I got out to these woods by my house and I sat down and I was crying now. And as I sat down, I could have a different vantage point of the sun that was coming through the, the, the trees. And it was beautiful. And I was crying out to God and I felt the spirit nudge me. You need more people to share this burden with you. So I started to text different groups of friends and different individuals, and I just was like putting it out. And it was incredible because with one particular group, there's been a lot of division lately. Like we can't have a text string going before someone makes a comment about left, right, red, blue, mask, no mask. Like it's just, that's been this, this communication with this group. But when I said, I'm scared for my son, will you pray with me? Man, it elevated the discourse Because what we were all reminded of is there was more pulling us together in Christ than the things that are pushing us away from each other. It was this very small reminder of Christian community. We are more than the things we disagree with. We are one because Christ has made us so. And it is in this moment that we declare with confidence, nothing grows alone and nothing grows in some other community out there that might seem better to you. We need you, church. We need each other. So, good things grow slow. Good things do grow slow. I've seen that in this church over 10 years. We've grown slowly, but good things grow slowly. Jesus says in John 15, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from the Father I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you 
And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Jesus didn't talk about discipleship in this passage like babies with an inevitable growing up that you're just gonna, you know, you can't help it, you're gonna grow. And we compared us to the vine. And the thing with vines is they do grow at times slow. And some vines grow quickly and some vines grow together. And Jesus is making this this teaching that growth is a dynamic process and at times it's a mysterious process because some vines do grow. Some will trail, some will fall away, some will struggle. Let's just call it what it is. Jesus says there's a mystery here, but you're invited in. You're invited into intimacy with you. And that picture of the vine and the vine dresser, if you study John 15 this week, you're going to see everything gets cut. The things that are, die, are dead and dying, Jesus said, are going to get cut and thrown in the fire. But even the healthy vines will be pruned back. In fact, it is the healthiest vines that I've learned from studying that get trimmed back the furthest because cutting reveals future fruitfulness. If you're dialed in this morning and you feel like the Lord's in a season of cutting for you or you feel like, man, the things that I hold close are dying or struggling, you're in good company, you're not alone, and we need you to stay in connection with each other and we need you to believe that God can do something good even in the midst of the struggle you're in. Because good things grow, but good things grow slow. And cutting inspires deeper growth. So as you're just like listening this morning, I want to ask you some questions. Do you feel connected to Jesus in this season? Do you feel like you're growing? Do you feel like you're pursuing invitation to intimacy with him and his beloved community? I, I, don't, I don't judge any of it. I just, I long for you, church, to be invited in and to feel like you're growing with other people around you. We won't always feel like we're growing. Even the best vines at time hit seasons of dormancy and, and seasons where they just go slow. That's okay. It's okay if that's where you're at right now. Be good to yourself. And know that Jesus continues to invite you to grow by abiding in him. And so I, I offered it at the beginning. I just want to really encourage you, the one practice that you can always cultivate to continue to grow is an invitation to prayer. Is an invitation for God not just to fix it when your son is stuck at a hospital, but each and every day praying in order to build intimacy with God. I mean, that morning that I was having the interaction of like texting friends and stuff, I went out just to pray to be reminded that I'm not alone in the battle. So as you pray, and you should be praying every day. Invite the Lord Jesus to walk with you. Ask him, remind him to remind you that you don't walk alone. That's what prayer does. It, it connects us to the life of the vine. As we take a breath and breathe, we remember that we are connected to a power source beyond anything that we control. But we are grafted in, there is a promise. So there's a goodness for you to soak in. And that prayer can become your rootedness. And roots are important. I mean, a couple of years ago, we had some trees in the front yard, and there was one in particular that was really damaged. We had to take it out. And we took the one tree out and took a couple others out because they were damaged too. And there was one, one uh, root that seemed to go across the driveway. Well, this didn't make me happy at all because it was pushing the driveway up, and I thought it was connected to this other tree over here. And so I whacked away at this thing, and I whacked away, and I, I got that root out. 
Well, much to my chagrin, that the root that I was attacking wasn't to the tree we'd taken down, but a healthy Douglas fir about 25 feet away. And it started to die. Cones first, and then needles, ultimately branches. And eventually my neighbor pulled me aside and he's like, it doesn't look very good, does it? The whole tree had to come down because one major root was damaged. Prayer, church, is your rootedness. The life church, that is the life force that's beyond you. So dwell with him and be reminded that that's where your life force is. Good things grow and they grow slow. And finally, we belong together. We belong together. I'm going to read you another Bonhoeffer quote. This heavy Bonhoeffer, it's good. Bonhoeffer says, The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede and the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another, holy and for all eternity. Church, I long to see you in Christ. I long to see you growing deeper and deeper and deeper in his love. And this is what Paul wrote to the church in Colossae when Colossians 1 verse 9 to 11 Paul writes, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We are qualified because Jesus has made it so. And we have an endurance beyond anything that we can earn as we enter into the presence of Christ. We belong together. Colossians 1 feels like a message from a pastor, so let me pastor you for a moment. I, like Paul, have not stopped praying for you for the last 10 years. I continually ask God to fill you. I I long for you to be fruitful. I long for you to enter into the life of the Spirit, the most real life available. I seek for your knowledge of God to grow. I hope for you to be strengthened with power, to have endurance and patience in this present moment. I desire for you to know your inheritance as being God's holy beloved people together. And I seek for you intimacy in the new kingdom of light. Nothing grows alone. Good things grow slow and we belong together. And Paul touches upon here this element of endurance endurance that many of us right now we need a fresh dose of endurance you've probably heard me tell the story before of Ernest Shackleton's story of endurance I love the story one piece of the story that I haven't taught on before was in August 1 1914 endurance uh, and, and its captain Ernest Shackleton and his men left England to be the first group to ever cross Antarctica they never actually even touched Antarctica by by those standards the mission was a failure But for almost 500 days, Shackleton and his men survived on, in the middle of nowhere, uh, on an iceberg, on a remote island in the South Antarctic Ocean. 
And eventually, Shackleton and just a few men, they took a tiny lifeboat 800 miles to where they found, uh, where they thought a whaling station could provide help. They landed on said island after a week at sea. It's a miracle of, of ocean-going uh, navigation. And then they got to the island, and then they found they had to actually cross over the island where the other humans were where they could get help. Shackleton took two men and they hiked for 24 hours over the island. And as they hiked, Shackleton said, as I recall, it was not three of us who hiked. It seemed like there was four. Because as they hiked through the night, they could feel the presence of God. That's how they survived. By, by endurance and be- believing that they belonged together. Shackleton was able to, after 24 hours at the whaling station, he got a shower, he got some food, and he got a boat. He's like, I got to go get my men. My mission will be a failure unless everyone survives. They head back across the ocean. They don't dwell in their safety and like, let's take a week. And No, they head back to where the rest of their men are waiting on Elephant Island. They get hit in ice hole. They have to go back. Their boat breaks down. They have to go back. They finally get to where they're going, to where Shackleton wants to know, will they all, all the men, will they make it? Will they be okay? And the first thing out of his mouth from the boat to the island is, are you all okay? Their response, sir, we are all okay. Because Shackleton knew the success wasn't if the strongest survived. It was in everybody in their community knowing that they survived together. And so church, I ask you, are we all okay? Are we all okay Are we all in a place where we are connected to God and connected to one another? And my hunch is that for many of us, you're like, great question. You've been invited to intimacy. And I'm here to remind you, church, that you matter to God and you matter here in this church. And you must seek out personal relationships so that you can belong to other humans as well. It's not not three of us across the mountain, Shechem says, there were four. And it reminds me in closing of that great verse from Daniel, Daniel 3, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get sent into the fire and Nebuchadnezzar is like thinking, oh, I've, I've snuffed them out. And then as they survive in the worst conditions because the presence of God shows up, Nebuchadnezzar runs over. He's like, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Church, this is our in the fire moment. This is our walk across the glacier all night moment. And we do not walk alone. Jesus is with us. And the church is with you. And we long for you to stay connected to him and to stay connected to one another. We love you. And you're invited to intimacy. Let's pray now. Jesus, thank you so much for your scriptures. Thank you for so much for these stories, which is, were true then and they're true now. Thank you that you've invited us in, that you've called us your family, that you've grafted us in. We didn't, we didn't earn anything. But Lord Jesus, we hunger now in this season to grow again, deeper and deeper in the knowledge of your love for us, and deeper and deeper with others around us. Even in the midst of a pandemic, God, we must know that we belong to each other. We must know that we belong to you. We thank you for the work that lies ahead, the work that you've done in the past, the work that you love to do, Jesus, in and through your church for your glory. In your name we pray, amen.